Well, good morning. And can I just say, in the middle of how busy Christmas is and everything else that you've probably got going on and however hard it was to wake up on a cold morning like this, I'm really glad you are here. I'm really glad I get to see you in the hallway, smile at you when you come in. I love singing with you guys. And I know it's kind of cliche, but there's this reality that like in the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season, when there's always like one more party, one more crisis, one more shopping trip, one more whatever it is, it's really nice to just have a moment to stop and reflect on everything that God has done for us that we're celebrating at this time of year. And as Neil just mentioned, we're actually seeing this morning in Luke chapter 1, don't panic, we're not starting over. (laughs) When I said that to a buddy this week, he described it as kind of like a victory lap. Because what we see in Luke chapter 1 today is that Mary, in the middle of her own Christmas season, takes this moment to stop, to slow down, to sing just like that. What what we now call Mary's song, the Magnificat, that she magnifies the Lord, says, how great is my God. And in the midst of that, she picks up on this idea that God has been using since almost the beginning of time to predict Christmas. And so we're actually going to work our way backward through her song this morning. And so our key verses come from Luke chapter 1, verses 54 and 55. I want you to see this. Mary ends her song by saying, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. That word, the seed, is the word that God has been using since almost the beginning of time to predict Christmas. Now, I don't know what all of your different Christmas traditions are. You probably have certain movies that you have to watch every year. Hopefully, Muppet Christmas Carol is among them. You probably have certain songs that you love to sing, certain parties that you go to every time, certain gift-giving. One thing that our family has enjoyed recently, I think partly because now that we have four little kids, everybody who knows and loves them wants to give them stuff. And then we have to figure out where do you put that stuff? And then six months later, you're trying to figure out which ones of those you can donate or give away or something. So we found it's kind of fun as a tradition, not just to give stuff, but sometimes to give experiences. So we'll get together at Christmas, and sometimes you give something that you can go and experience with your family or that we can go and experience together. And so this morning, I'd actually like to give you three experiences for Christmas that you can experience, you can take part in, specifically because of the seed. So that word seed, it it is biological, and it can be used to mean like a plant seed. You plant a cherry seed, you get a cherry tree. Plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree. But in this context, it actually means a literal, physical, biological, human seed. But that represents a human being. And so sometimes that comes to mean something like descendant or offspring, that it can kind of carry that connotation. And a couple chapters later, Jesus, uh, Luke actually goes through Jesus' genealogy. Because if Jesus went to Ancestry.com, he, he would probably get something like this. It would show that he has a lot of Jewish blood, but actually a lot more Gentile blood than you would probably think in his DNA. And you can track Jesus in the bottom right corner through all of these generations. The fathers that Mary just mentioned, back to famous people like King David. You know, like we always are like, ooh, I'm related to Abraham Lincoln or something, right? King David, and all the way back, as Mary mentions, to Abraham, and all the way back to the first man ever, Adam. 
So just so you know, I am also related to Adam. Me and Jesus have that in common. Actually, you and Jesus have that in common too. But one of the things that you notice here is all of the generations, right? These are all of the seeds. And, and Mary specifically keys in on Abraham because of the promises that she knows that God has made to him. And so in this moment, you see how she's reflecting on all of this past history, thousands of years of what God has been promising to his people. In fact, that's the first experience that I want to give you today. If you look at those same two verses again, notice this, that Mary remembers what God remembers. And that's the first experience I want to give you. This Christmas season, remember what God remembers. She says he's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Now, if you track through the Old Testament, I don't know if you've realized this, but one of the most important things that God's people ever do in the entire Old Testament, remember. They remember who God is. They remember what God has done. And they remember what he's asked them to do. And that leads to obedience. That leads to closeness of relationship. That leads to blessing. And one of the most dangerous things that God's people ever do in the entire Old Testament is forget. Compare Psalm 105 and 106 sometime. We're not going there. That's just homework. When they forget who God is, when they forget what he's done, when they forget what he's asked them to do, it leads to distance in that relationship. It leads to disobedience. It leads to rebellion. It leads, ultimately, to death. And if you track that through the entire Old Testament, one thing that we see is that sometimes the people remember, sometimes the people forget. Sometimes the people remember, sometimes the people forget. All the time, God remembers. God still remembers. And he always sends us reminders And so as Mary faces this moment in her Christmas season, I mean, let's be honest, this is a really good thing. Mary is this close. Within her own body is the Messiah. But if we're honest, life has kind of gone sideways for Mary. Right? It's Mary who has to go back to her fiancé and try to explain that what's growing inside her, actually, uh, the, the baby is God's. Right? Her, her fiancé is seeing dreams of angels who are telling him, name the baby Jesus. And then she's in hiding for a while, and how do we explain this to the people around us? And everything has just changed. But even in the midst of that, she remembers what God remembers. She's thinking back through all of those generations, because when it says that he has done this in remembrance of his mercy, that means God has remembered his promises. And he always remembers his promises. So I want to take you all the way back, almost to the beginning, in Genesis chapter 3. Because when I think Mary brings up the seed, I think that's a key word for us. You know, we sing, Mary, did you know? And there's a lot that I think she didn't know. I, I love that song. One of my kids, it's, it's their favorites. But I think in this word, the seed, Mary indicates a lot of what she did understand about this child. In Genesis chapter 3... This is all the way back when Adam and Eve first sinned. They're being kicked out of the garden. An angel is stood by the door to keep them from getting back in. And in that moment, 
God makes a promise on our behalf, spoken to our enemy. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the devil, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is what has come to be known as the Proto-Evangelion, which is a really big fancy word for first time the good news has been told. This is the first time when man first fell into sin, when human beings for the first time didn't live up to God's perfect standard, and God says, I'm going to send a fixer. And for generations after this, for descendants and centuries and millennia after this, people are looking back to that moment when God described how the seed of the enemy and the seed of the woman would be at odds with one another. Fast forward to Genesis chapter 22, and we get another example of this very promise. Because this is who Mary specifically remembers. It's Abraham. She says that he's been faithful to Abraham and to his seed. And Genesis 22 is when Abraham goes up the mountain with his son Isaac, and he's going to sacrifice his only son. Before God says, I will sacrifice my only son, And he gives Abraham a different sacrifice. And in that moment, he makes a promise to Abraham. He says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In Abraham's seed. You see, Mary knows her Bible. When she talks about the seed, she's remembering these promises. Now here's a question for you guys. Show of hands, how many of you grammar was your favorite subject in school thank you all right yes last night zero (laughs) so i'm glad to see a few of you the rest of you hashtag deal with it we're going to talk about grammar for a second (laughs) and here's why here's why when mary mentions the seed when god speaks of the seed in the garden and when he promises it again to abraham here he's not talking about descendants Because every single time, this word that you've seen it today has been in the singular. So when you go back to the Hebrew, you go back to the Greek, and what you see in our translations here, that is the singular word, seed. That he is talking about one human being. One descendant of Abraham. That we realize that the Messiah that we are waiting for who will be God, who will sit on the throne of God and fight our battles in the name of God, is also going to be one human being. Unless you think I'm digging too deep into the grammar, now we'll fast forward to Galatians 3. Because this is exactly the point that Paul makes when he writes his letter to the Galatians. People who were not Jewish, they were not Abraham's blood descendants, and yet they were told that they could have faith in Christ. And this is what he says. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. What that means is that every single promise God has ever made, everything God has ever claimed that he remembers, every promise is wrapped up in one seed, One person, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, 
God with us. And a few verses later, in verse 29, Paul tells us why that's so important for you and I. Because then, if you are Christ's, if you belong to him, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see, when Mary remembers what God remembers, when she brings up the seed, what that means is, if you have trusted the seed as your savior, every promise God has ever spoken belongs to you through Christ. Yeah, every single one. Turn any page in this book that you want. And that's what I love about what Mary is doing here, because when Mary's life is like good, but still kind of sideways, she is processing her life through scripture by remembering what God remembers. You know, and one of the things that that I love about Horizon is that we're always trying to figure out how do I use the Bible to help me understand the Bible? When Mary says something about the seed, where does that come from? What does that mean? And, And I think that we can do this too. Like when you are going through your life and you hit the kind of trial like Neil was mentioning earlier. Man, I I wasn't going to go here, so I won't totally go here. But I got a phone call last night after this service that details I can't share. But somebody who says, we just found out it's pancreatic cancer and it's the size of a golf ball. When you hit those moments, what do you find in here? What promise has God made in here that reminds you he is still good? When you have a new opportunity in your life and you're trying to decide, is it, is it this good thing or this good thing? You know, how do you turn to James 3 and start praying for wisdom and how to handle that? You know, when somebody in your life hurts you, betrays you, and you can come back to these pages and remember how no matter what people around you do, God is always faithful. If you're like me, sometimes it's when you trip over your own pride, trip over your own temptation, or sometimes that you just think too lowly of yourself, and it's when you come back to this book that God, maybe he puts you in your place, maybe he puts you in your place, and you remember from these pages who God says that you are. When we remember what God remembers, Now I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Mary's song, the Magnificat, so famous through all of history, is like this close to plagiarism. (laughs) In fact, I'm exaggerating, but if you look at Mary's song, 75% of what she says is directly out of 1 Samuel chapter 2 in Hannah's prayer. In fact, I am convinced that what Mary's doing in this moment is literally singing scripture back to God. And I know it's probably hard to read all of this, and I had to put in a bunch of ellipses to try to get some of this to fit on the page, but I want you to see this, because all the way back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, when a woman has a baby by the will of God through a miracle, who's going to be a leader for his people and who's belonged to God since before he was born, that's Hannah, but no wonder this might come to mind for Mary, Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. I rejoice in your salvation. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Hannah says, No one is holy like the Lord, Mary says, and holy is his name. Hannah says, Talk no more so proudly. The bows of mighty men are broken. Mary says, He has put down the mighty from their thrones. 
Hannah says that the hungry have ceased to hunger. Mary says he has filled the hungry with good things. Hannah says that the Lord brings low and lifts up. Mary says he has put down the mighty and exalted the lowly. And Hannah says he will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. The Hebrew word Messiah, the Greek word Christ, the first time that word ever appears in the Bible is in Hannah's prayer. And as Mary sings Hannah's prayer back to God, she realizes it's the seed. It's one person. And in this moment, she's still pregnant. That one person, the God-man, is in her womb. Now, I've got to use self-control here, but I, I just got to tell you this. <laughs> There's so much gold in 1 Samuel, and we are actually starting a series in 1 Samuel in January. So, there's like a hundred things I want to tell you right now. And I'm just, we don't have time for that. But, come back all through December, but come back in January. I, I, I think you are going to love it. I mean, just little nuggets like that. It, it's so much good stuff. And we've even been talking just with our music team, because we do this from time to time, but how do we really elevate the kind of thing that Mary is doing here? That we just live in the Word in such a way that we even just sing Scripture back to God. Like, just sing his word back to him and embrace those promises. And you notice that both for Hannah and for Mary, a lot of what they're focused on is what it looks like to be humble. That the proud are brought low, but the lowly are exalted. Look at how Mary says it for herself in verse 48. So we're backing up now to the middle of her song. She says of God, He has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. You see, Mary recognizes how to give regard to God and others. Because that's what God does for her. She says, he has regarded my lowly state. Now that word, regarded, that's a whole lot more than just took notice. It's not because Mary was so holy and so righteous and so pure that God couldn't help but notice. Right? It's that Mary's thinking, I'm just a woman. I'm just a girl. I'm, I'm just like anybody else, but he regarded me. When God regards others, he gives them blessing. He gives them notoriety. He gives them importance. He gives them value. She says he is mighty. She gives him regard because he gives regard to others. And there's a few examples of that in in the next few verses. Verse 51, that he has shown strength with his arms, scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. And so there becomes, in the midst of this song about the seed, her reflection on the Messiah, pride versus humility. What it looks like to be proud, what it looks like to be humble. And I love that idea he uses. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Because that's usually where pride is happening, right? Like if, if you and I come into this room and you're talking to somebody, you know, before the service starts and somebody walks up to you and says, excuse me, excuse me, I, I hate to interrupt. Um, have you noticed how wonderful I am? Uh, not anymore, <laughs> right? Like if it's that on the surface, we see it right away. We don't like it and we, and we usually don't do it. In fact, a lot of times, it it can even kind of come in from the back door like, 
<clears throat> well, you know what? I won't say anything because I'm so incredibly humble. People won't even know it. <laughs> and it's in the imagination of my heart that I begin to think I'm, I'm more than I am. You see, I think if Mary says, or if we say, man, I have done great things. Now hear me, because there are good things in our lives. And I know a lot of you, and there are great things you have done, and I would celebrate those with you. But notice the difference in Mary saying, he is mighty, and he has done great things for me. Versus letting the imagination of my heart start to say, look at everything I've done. And what if instead we say, he has done great things for me. Just like Mary, he put me in a specific place on the planet, in a specific time in history. You know, it's God who gave me my aptitude, my intelligence. Is it possible, it's even God that gave me my work ethic to use all of those things so that he can do great things through me. And now the imagination of my heart starts to be about how great and mighty and glorious God is. And that that God was so humble that he came to earth as a seed. You know, this is a, a picture of our nativity set, and I brought a piece of it with me today, because when you look at that, for all of the, you know, shepherds and angels and animals and wise men, and I know they probably weren't there, but we're not talking about timelines right now, it's just a Christmas decoration, so relax. But in the middle of that, you see one thing. Her and her seed. We process that for a moment. Sometimes we get so used to hearing the story, especially when the radio starts the Christmas music on like July 3rd or something, you know. It's like, I've been hearing, you know, Jesus born in a manger for months, and it can slip right past us how incredibly powerful this is. The fact that the God of the universe, understand this now, it says that all things were created through Jesus. God spoke, and it came to be. When he was born, the only thing he could do was coo or cry. Like, God had to learn how to talk. That's amazing. That the God who with his own hands spread out the stars that we learned about last week became so small, so feeble, so human, so young. Didn't know how to hold a spoon. Couldn't feed himself. You ever try to feed a baby? I decided I would give you a picture of someone else's baby instead of one of my own so that I wouldn't end up teasing them. Go ahead and pull that picture up of that little guy. I swear there is one. Feeding a baby. There we go. <laughs> here's, what's, here's what's, like, not, not to be rude about Jesus, but imagine the moments when Mary is trying to feed him and it all kind of dribbles down his cheek because he hasn't figured out how to swallow yet. The God of the universe in human form. That as she sings this song, th this will sound weird, but Jesus was an embryo. That if she had an ultrasound, he would look like a circle with a little thing flip-flopping that was his heartbeat. God of the universe became the seed. 
that's humble. And in fact, he took it even farther because he humbled himself, not just to the point of being a baby, not just to the point of being in utero, he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. That Jesus didn't come at age 33 and say, oof, I don't really like this body. Let's do this crucifixion thing. Let's get this over with. Because he was born just like we were. So that he could live the perfect life of obedience. And I wonder what it's like when Mary sits down with like a two-year-old Jesus and tries to teach him the word and he's only sort of half listening. But she says, I, I don't know if you already know this, but I just want you to hear God's promises. I, I mean, I, I know you are God's promises, But I want to be faithful to what he taught me that I teach my kids about, well, about you. (laughs) And how faithful she was to that. Because this seed is here for your salvation. That in his death, his life, his death, his resurrection, there is forgiveness for you and I for every single way that just like Adam and Eve all the way back on the first pages have fallen short of God's standard. That instead of God saying, I knew you would blow it and scrapping the whole project, God says, I'm going to send the seed. He's going to be a human so he can stand on trial as a human so that through him I can rescue all of these precious human beings that I've created. That's why every embryo matters to God. That's why every child matters to God. It's why every adult who's wrestling with who's in control of their life, is it me or God, matters to him. It's why your friends and neighbors matter to God. It's why that aging parent that you are taking care of matters to God and you bless him that way. Because then we start to think about what what does it look like to to serve the way the seed served. And as I thought about this this week, I was reminded um, a couple weeks ago I was down in Florida for a, a wedding. A buddy of mine, we've been friends for... Uh, going on 27 years now and that means that we've been friends since like fourth grade which is like that's a really long time ago (laughs) but at the wedding the best man actually told a story about him that I'd forgotten that I think perfectly illustrates this Uh, because my buddy Steins is like Steins is a man's man like he's a tough dude and when I say that his biceps are bigger than my waist that's not a joke that's like a real thing (laughs) I mean he's 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 big he's tough He's sort of like that gentle giant mold, and and he's getting close to 20 years in the armed services between Air Force and Coast Guard, and and that's always been him. It's like, if if I call and he misses my call, it's probably because he's working out somewhere. So I go down to my buddy's wedding, and and as the the best man was telling this story about him, because we were all friends in high school, it's just such this beautiful moment. Because when we were in high school, there was a kid named John who was in the grade ahead of us, and John still is probably one of the funniest people that I've ever met. Just incredible sense of humor. Um, But John was also a daredevil, and he had an accident on a bike one day and was paralyzed from the neck down. Quadriplegic now for the rest of his life. Because of that, he missed the rest of that year of school, and so he got moved back into our grade. And so when we were in high school, like, I don't know if you remember this, but they don't give you recess in high school anymore. Kind of stinks. So at lunch, we would eat as fast as we could so we could get outside, play basketball, play football, you know, do whatever we wanted to do. And so now John was in our class, and so we'd all go to lunch, and we'd eat as fast as we could, and we'd go outside to do our thing. And what I had forgotten, possibly because I was outside playing basketball, 
when John was there, Steins didn't eat as fast as he could anymore. In fact, Steins would set his food aside and feed John. Feed him applesauce. You know, help, help him keep it in his mouth. Break off pieces of sandwich big enough that, that John could chew them. Now, the rest of us, I, I wouldn't say that we were being prideful necessarily. We, we, we never made fun of John. We never thought we were better than John. We were friends with John. We liked John. Um, he's teaching at the community college out by our high school now. But when you hear that story, you know right away who was humble? Who gave up his own time? Who lowered himself to exalt somebody else? That's what the seed did for us. And maybe another story that's in some ways very similar and yet in some ways very different. I, I had lunch with my buddy Jim a couple weeks ago. And Jim's had enough success in his career that um, one of the things that he's been able to do is he has a lot of people who kind of count on him for direction at work. And so he thought, like, I've got my goals, I've got my things I'm responsible for, and I've got to do these annual reviews and stuff like that. But he started thinking about how, how, how does it look to take Christ into the workplace? And so he started spending personal time praying for the people that report to him and the people that he reports to. Then he goes back into the workplace thinking, how do I adjust my schedule to give more of myself to them to help build them up both for their family and for their career? Lowering myself to exalt others. Essentially, it's, it's that word that Mary gave us. When we give regard to God, then we give regard to others. And maybe you can think of the, your own ways that you've done this or you do this, but how do we give regard to others? And I want to give you just a few specific ideas for this season, but maybe ongoing. Because one of those, if you want to get really literal, Mary says that one way God does that, he fills the hungry with good things. So hey, you want to fill the hungry with good things? <laughs> we go down to City Gospel Mission at least twice a month. This time I think we get uh, four, maybe, between three Sundays and a Monday. And one of them is tonight. You want to fill the hungry with good things? Show up at 515 here tonight. Our team goes down to City Gospel and you can fill them not just with food. I hand them a plate that will fill them with good food. Sit down and have a conversation that fills them with good things. You know, come and share in prayer or devotional with them afterwards. And share, fill them with good things that are coming from God. You know, maybe it's just trying to look at the people in your family or the people you work with. Like, how do I serve my spouse like Stein served John? That I may not get this time back. That I may not get the thing that I'm hoping for because I'm putting your needs first. Like the seed served us. I don't know about you, but sometimes for me it's, it's easier to feel like I can give money to that thing. But when you ask me for time, like money can be hard too, but time is like really hard. Because time is at a premium, especially like in December. And I think one of the things that God has just been teaching me, to be honest, in the last couple of years, so not an indictment on you, but here's an indictment on me, <laughs> is almost like to let my time follow my giving. Like if I give at City Gospel Mission, go volunteer there too. If I'm giving it what God is doing here at Horizon, go be involved there too. You know, serve and lift people up. And so one that I wanted to share with you uniquely today is every week when you and I come into this building, you know, we come in that front door, we turn left, and we come down here to the chapel to explore God's Word together. At the same time, a bunch of kids come in and turn right, go down the opposite hallway to what we call East Station 
where you got zero to fourth grade down there doing the same thing, exploring God's word to get to know him better. And we actually need people who are willing to go into that space, lower themselves, give up their time to lift up those kids. And my wife actually serves with the two-year-old, and, and so we were having this conversation this week because sometimes, I mean, you saw the kid up there, right? Like, you go to the two-year-olds, and you've got a craft plan, you've got a story plan, it's going to be great, and then two-year-olds are like, no, it's not, you know? <laughs> like, they're going to do whatever they want, right? And you can feel like, like, what am I even doing here? But as we reflected on this passage this week, as we thought about those kids, it's like, hey, remember when Jesus was two? Or, or go back to Hannah. Like, remember when Samuel was two? Like, which little kid is walking down that hallway? Because he's not going to be two forever. How is God going to use that little boy, that little girl in the future, and you get to be a part of lifting them up like God does? Specifically, I would tell you, if you can do the 4.30 on Saturday, we would love to have you as a part of that team. So maybe that's just something that you think about, something that you pray about even in this season as a way to give regard to others. Because then Mary brings it all home in these, really the first two verses as we get back to the beginning of her song. When Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For her, that's what it all comes back to. Everything else in here is stuff that God has done. The one thing Mary does rejoice she rejoices in the salvation of the seed and that's the third experience that i want to give you the first is to remember what god remembers the second is to give regard to god and others and the third is right here that this season we rejoice in the salvation of the seed you know and maybe that's what you love about this season and maybe that's what you love about coming to a place like this and just having a moment to sing Oh, come let us adore him again. To sing. Guys, king of heaven, come down. Oh yeah. As a seed. <laughs> and just remember. So this is your key takeaway today. I want you, in the next few weeks, in this season, to plan an experience. To remember, regard, and rejoice. You know, maybe remembering is just as simple as, hey, go get First Samuel and start reading through that. I, I think you will enjoy, if you are ahead of us, instead of like waiting till the weekend to see what it's about this week, like read ahead, how much God will work that thing into your heart. So maybe remembering what God remembers is just going back and starting to read First Samuel. Or I've heard a couple people that now that we finish Luke, it's to go back and reread the book of Luke, like kind of all at once. And just let God remind you of everything he's been teaching you in the last couple years. And maybe you plan an experience for how to regard others. And maybe it's something that we've mentioned here. Maybe it's as simple as just coming up to me afterwards and saying, Hey, Drew, tell me more about East Station. And then plan an experience to rejoice in the salvation of the seed. And you know, for you, that may be for the first time ever. The first time that you say, I, I think I finally understand what it means that it's not for me to regard myself or try to make myself worthy of God, but for me to look at God and say, I trust that through Jesus Christ, you forgive me. And I, I didn't necessarily intend this as I was planning this message, but did you know we're actually planning an experience in the next couple of weeks 
where eight times in one day we're going to get together and rejoice in the salvation of the seed? (laughs) This is probably one for you. And let's see, the times are on the screen here. Okay, so we're doing eight identical services on Christmas Eve. So the weekend services will be the same. But 10, 11, noon, 1, a break at 2, then 3, 4, 5, and 6. We're planning an experience to celebrate the salvation of the seed. So here's what I want you to think about there. Because yes, there are complimentary tickets out in the atrium, and you can go get those and make sure you get enough. And if you find out you don't need that many, please bring them back. All that stuff, good stuff, still true. Do that today. But as you think about it, think about it this way too. Not just the practical piece of like, okay, so what time works for us and when are we doing Christmas Eve? But who do you know who might need to rejoice with you? Who's out there that if you invite them to Christmas Eve, this might be the year, this might be the first time that they accept that invitation because they need a minute to to just stop and reflect on who he is. In fact, I might even encourage you, and I'm not saying this to everybody, but I'll say it to you guys. Would you consider one really practical way to kind of lower ourselves and lift others up? Three, four, and five are always our most packed services. They're the ones we run out of tickets the fastest. They're the ones that if somebody's going to get to the door and we have to tell them, I'm sorry, can you wait till the next one? It's going to be three, four, five. So like if you go to the ticket table and ask for those, I'm not going to like be hiding behind that Christmas tree to like slap them out of your hand or anything. Because <laughs> if that's all that works for you, please come and enjoy Christmas Eve. But just think about if you could do the 10, the 11, the noon. Our, our family's going to do the noon this year to save space for our friends and neighbors that they can have the best times. Would you just think about that? And if you've got a neighbor, like I'm asking one guy, and if he says he can only do five, then my family will be doing noon, but I'm going to sit by him at the five o'clock because I know he needs this. So would you think about this that way too? Not just when can you be here, but when can you celebrate with somebody else who might want to hear more about Jesus Christ? Hey, can I pray for us that way right now? God, you are mighty and you have done great things for us. So just in this moment, I want to say we remember what you remember. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our seed, and we give you thanks in his name. Amen. Thank you for being here. We will see you next week.